the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a pretty stark message in the Gospel today. At the very end, he says, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, the same will come to you. But I'd, before getting into the homily, I wanted to give a little bit of an image. We read sometimes another stark image is the, the martyrdom of saints. And sometimes when we read in our little uh, daily reader or in the Synaxarian, and we read what occurred to the saints, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to read the things that occur to them. One of the many cruel tortures that was done to saints was that they would tie each limb to a horse and have the horses go off in four separate directions. I give you that very startling image because that's an image that is, is occurring on this very day. We are wounding the body of Christ. We are causing a separation in the body of Christ. Our whole world around us is very divided, very divided. And it seems that most of us can't read the news without having some form of anger, frustration, condescension, bitterness, whatever it may be. And that's bad enough when it occurs outside of the body of Christ. And we're looking at those people out there and saying, oh, them, I can't believe they think that way. How could they do that? But it happens inside this body as well. And this is a great tragedy. In our own parish, we have division. And sure, we can say, well, it's the greater division that's occurring within the world, and people are forming their battle lines, and everyone is angry at everyone else. But this should not be. It should not be with Christians, and certainly it should not be against our own body, our own family. You see, our own words are causing division, are causing schism, causing a breaking within the body of Christ. And St. Paul talked about this quite a bit in, in the first letter to the Corinthians, which we read from today, but at a later part in the book of Corinthians. And he talks about the, the body being separated, the different parts of the body separating from themselves. And in his analogy, which I'll read later, it just sounds kind of ridiculous, a part of the body just getting up and walking off. And yet this is what we do, because we don't realize that we are actually one body. Our words are causing division. Think about the words that have come out of your mouth in the last couple of months. I think of the words that have come out of my mouth, the ways in which I have caused division by saying a little word here, a little comment there, by getting impassioned or angry about something. And this is a great tragedy and something that will, like that image of the martyr being pulled in the four separate directions, this is what we will do to our own community if we're not careful in these times. St. John Climacus, St. John of the Ladder, says, Your tongue longs to jump into arguments, but restrain it. It is a tyrant, and you must fight it daily, 70 times 7. Our tongues become weapons that we use against other people. 
And the hard part is that a lot of the times we don't even realize that we're using it as a weapon. We're just saying some offhand comment, some just letting some steam out or whatever it may be. Our brother or sister in Christ is wounded, is hurt. Or we're on the other end of that. We're around someone and they say something. And now we're stuck with that. Now we're stuck with a different perception of this person whom I love, who is my own flesh and blood, through the flesh and blood of Christ. St. Anthony said how many times he has regretted speaking, and yet he has never regretted not speaking. But perhaps the most uh, poignant words are from St. James in his epistle. So I'll read a large portion of this. Indeed, we put bits into horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder whenever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Or Jesus, even more to the point, says in the Gospel of Matthew, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. We must watch our words. We must watch our words. And on the converse side, we must forget what we hear from others. Careful. We see this in families as well, and it's as great of a tragedy there. Where one family member has one viewpoint, another family member has another viewpoint, and they forget that they're flesh and blood. So the answer to this is on the one hand, when we hear, we must forget, we must forgive, we must be merciful. And on the other hand, when our mouth is tempted to be unbridled, to be untamed, we must silence ourselves. And the answer for that is our saint from last Sunday, Saint Joseph the Hesychast. Isihia, silence. Joseph the Hesychast was one who pursued silence and the prayer of the heart. All of us need more isihia, more silence. We don't have to say what's on our mind. We don't have to defend a viewpoint. We don't have to justify anything. We don't have to share what horrible bit of news we just heard so that we can vent about it. We don't have to do these things. Silence and forbearance, this is what is required for us. For those around us, a lot of mercy is required. Merciful towards those who tell us viewpoints that are opposite from ours. It's our ego that wants to make division. 
We could just let those words fall to the side. Our Lord also said in another place in Matthew, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. These are words worth pondering from the book of Hosea originally. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God doesn't want us to have this isolated life where we're just doing our good things towards God. We have to look at all the situations right around us in which mercy is required and mercy is not what we want to give. In the gospel today, we had a very clear picture of someone who did not want to give mercy. And the nice thing about parables is that they can be so ridiculously lopsided that the message is really clear. What was it, 10,000 talents? Do we know what a talent is? It's millions of dollars, one talent in modern money. So his, his debt was on the order of billions of dollars. And the servant says what? Give me more time, I'll repay. How ridiculous is this? He thinks that he can repay that amount. And his master forgives him. And then he goes for some tiny paltry amount of money to his fellow servant and throws him into prison for that. This is what we are doing. This gospel is for us today. How much has God forgiven of us and we cannot forgive the people around us, especially in our own body, especially in the body of Christ, in your families? How much has God forgiven and we can't forgive? This is what is necessary. I also think of the other story in the Old Testament of Noah. Noah, who was the one person that was virtuous enough to be saved, along with his family. And all of humanity was not saved. But then after the flood, he goes and builds a vineyard, he makes wine, and he gets drunk. So we see even saintly people make bad choices. And he was drunk and naked, and his son came upon him. And what did his son do? He saw his father drunk and naked laying there, and he went and told his brothers. Does this sound like what we do day in and day out here? We see some politician drunk and naked, basically, by what we think is a bad choice on their part, and we want to go tell other people. And what happens instead with the other sons of Noah? They take a blanket, they turn their backs, and they walk backwards towards Noah so that they don't see it. They don't even want to see it. They don't want to be around it. They want to instead cover it up because they love their father. If only we loved our fellow human beings as much as Noah's sons, two sons, loved him, that we would cover up. In our modern times, we have St. Paisios who says, he talks about finding the good excuse. This was one of his little spiritual tricks that he would do, exercises, and he encouraged people on this. When you see something that looks like sin that someone else is doing, just find a good excuse for them. It may not even be true. It doesn't need to be. The point of the exercise is what? The point is for us to get a little bit of compassion, a little bit of mercy. So silly example is you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off really harshly to where you have to break suddenly. You can say to yourself, that person has something really important that they need to go to. This is what we can do. 
day in and day out. This is what St. Paisios recommends to us, is finding the good excuse. And no more true is this than in our families. Because our families are God-given. We all have families of flesh and blood, and our families all have very different characters in them. If this weren't such an archetype, there wouldn't be that movie, if you remember John Candy, Uncle Buck. Remember that movie? This caricature of a guy, a black sheep of the family. But it's so funny because it's true. We all have all these different characters within our families. And you wonder sometimes, how did the same DNA end up with this and with this? But in our families, it's very important. We must remember they're God-given. Our families are God-given. So every single person, no matter how strange and unusual they are within our family, no matter how downright sinful or even evil they are in our family, they're still our family. They're still God-given. And we have to see when they're God-given, what that means is God can sanctify me through that person. That's what God-given means. God can sanctify me through that person if I let him. I can also not let him by being derisive or mean or hard-hearted or cruel. So this is in our flesh and blood families, but we have the flesh and blood family of our own church community. And here in our church community, we have had the blessing of always having many different viewpoints, many different ways of looking at the world. And there are people within our church community that are looking at the present situation in polar opposite ways. But they're still part of our family. St. Paul, now I'll read that passage in Corinthians. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. How much did he repeat the exact same thing in that sentence? For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. God has been pleased to bring each and every one of you into the community of St. John the Baptist in Beaverton, Oregon. God has been pleased for that. And so he set each one of you in your place within this community. Each of you with your very different viewpoints, each of you with your different ways of being, ways of understanding the world, your different perspectives, each has a purpose. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Have you thought about that as an exercise a little bit? We like our viewpoint the best, right? We all like our own viewpoint the best. Now I'm looking out into the community, and all I see is little Father Matthews everywhere. Little Father Matthews. It'd be the happiest world in the world, wouldn't it? It would be hell. Right? We can agree on the same thing, and we can all look at things in the same way, and this would be hell. But the opposite of that is what we have here. And what we have here is a beautiful blessing from God, despite all the differences that we have. Because these differences, if there are differences that cause division, it's because we have joined ourselves to the evil one. Differences don't mean division. 
Division is something that is a hallmark of our own ego in, in partnership with the devil. Nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. St. Paul is beautiful in this because it sounds so ridiculous when we think about a human body. And yet we forget that we are that same body. Every person out there is not an ear, but some are. Every person out there is not a head, but some are. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body. This is all St. Paul. But that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members honor, rejoice with it. If one member suffers because they feel isolated by the coronavirus and they're fearful about being sick, we should all suffer with them. If another member suffers because they just can't handle what our politicians are saying and doing and they just don't understand why they need to wear a mask, they're suffering. We suffer with them. No matter what it is, how it is, if, they, if a brother or, Christ, brother or sister in Christ is suffering, we suffer with them. This is what it means to be a part of the body. Immediately after this long passage about the body in Corinthians, the very next part, he talks about different roles within the church, and then he says, but I will show you a more perfect way. Now we all know this passage. He talks about love. And he says... At the end of that portion, love, now listen to these parts, in relation to our conflict within the body of Christ. Love suffers long and is kind. Love is not puffed up. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love bears all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Ultimately, this is a crisis of love. Do we really love our brothers and sisters when we see things that make it feel like we're looking at Noah naked and drunk? Can we still have compassion? Can we still have love? We must put this as our central priority. Because the evil one is trying to tear the whole world apart. We know that. We see that. And so often, what are we trying to do? Rather than trying to bring the world back together, we're trying to figure out where our camp is. and Make sure that we go to our camp so that we can look at the other camp as our enemy. Whether it's inside the church or outside the church, wherever it may be. We are taking part in the devil's work. Christians have no camps. We have no camps because we are uni united to every person. Outside of the body of Christ, they still have the image of God in them. Inside the body of Christ, they're our own family. We must take this seriously. These are serious times, and it requires that we become true Christians. Because it is only in becoming true Christians 
that we will be the change in the world that the world needs. The world needs Christ. And if we join ourselves to the evil one instead by picking out our camps and staying by our viewpoints and mocking the people of the other viewpoints, then we will no longer be Christians. Only in name. Allah, for this final word from St. Joseph the Hezekast, the one who sought after Isihiyah, after silence. He says in one of his letters, Do you see how much goodness the temptations and troubles bring? Do you see how much goodness the temptations and troubles bring? If you want to see to enjoy the love of Christ, endure what comes to you. Not in what you like, but what the Lord wants you to try. Nothing in what we do willingly is as useful as what the Lord sends us without our consent. I'll say that once more. Nothing in what we do willingly is as useful as what the Lord sends us without our consent. God has assembled your family. You have not assembled your family. God has assembled it. Both your earthly family and your spiritual family within the church and your family with all of humanity on earth, God has assembled that family. And his work through them is far more useful to your spiritual life than anything that you can do. Far more useful. We just have to have the eyes to see it. My brothers and sisters, we only have one enemy. We only have one enemy. We cannot make our brothers and sisters in Christ or anyone else in all of humanity into our enemy. Otherwise, we join ourselves with our enemy. May this be our focus as we go forward in these very difficult and very trying times. This is a time when we need forgiveness, we need mercy, and we need to be silent.